welcome to the Lawyer Life Podcast, where the personal, professional, and political intersect. Each week, we discuss a topic to help ourselves and other lawyers and law students navigate their days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. On today's episode, we are back at school talking careers. We're asking ourselves, what steps do you really need to take in law school to end up with the career you want? We're talking to Waleska Vernon, Career Development Counselor at the University of Toronto Law School. To get information straight from the front lines, I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Hello, Darlene. Good morning. How Back are you? to school. Back to school. Oh, you know what I saw? Uh, that reminded me of back to school. I was at the drugstore. Um and you, I don't know if this was a thing when you uh, were going back to school, but do you remember teen packs? No. Oh, oh man. No. They were the coolest. It's what? like, it's like a great, it's some uh, consumer package, good co- company. I don't know which one that owns all these brands, but they put together this like box of all the like products a high school kid would want when they're going back to school. It's like the cool shampoo and deodorant and whatever. I don't know why they were so, it doesn't sound glamorous, but oh boy, <laughs> that was a symbol to me. We're going back. I take it you had a teen pack? I know. I I just so maybe it's because I never had one that I thought they were so right. Cool. You desperately just, wanted one. Yes. <laughs> that and a five star binder. But that yeah, um sure. those were the yeah. those were great. Note totes. Right. Remember those? Probably Note no totes? one listening to this pod. Yeah, it was like a binder and it had folders inside and sort oh, yes. of a like velcro thing on the front. Man, those were the best. Did you use one in law school? Not in law school. <laughs> No, although it would have been very cool. It even would have been retro at that time to use a note tote in law school. Anyway, we're talking back to school. We're trying to prep students entering law school or law students going back for their second or third year. And this can be a good good chat today because this is a topic, careers, that is on everybody's mind when they're at law school, I feel. Totally. And it's something that you, I feel that after day one or maybe on day one, there is this sense that you have that everyone else kind of knows the situation and you may not know the situation. So yes. our goal in talking to Waleska is to find out, um, you know, some pointers and some tips to, to make sure that students start on the same playing field, I suppose, and then can ask questions from there. Is that, is that fair? Fair. And now here comes the bio. Waleska Vernon is a career development counselor at the University of Toronto. After receiving her LLB from Osgoode Hall in 2002, Waleska practiced corporate law for two years in New York and seven years in Toronto before pursuing her passion of mentorship and career development when she received a master's in counseling psychology at Western University. Her specialty is now working with law students to find their area of interest, target their desired positions, and prepare for the recruitment process and run some cool events, of which both Darlene and I have attended and spoke at. Um, Waleska also has a private practice where she helps high-functioning professionals with personal and career well-being, and that's mainly focused on anxiety, depression, and unhelpful coping strategies associated with those challenges. And we'll link to her website in our show notes in that regard. So uh, with that, we're super glad to welcome Waleska to the Lawyer Life Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. Mike, are you clapping? I did clap. <laughs> okay, I'm, just I'm excited. <laughs> I'm just checking. I think that might be our first clap on the podcast. I'm so flattered. So what's going on in your life right now? What does Friday look like? Uh, so what's happening right now is is we're really picking up steam. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly getting ready to welcome our first year students uh, to the law school, but also 
Um, our students entering second year are gearing up for several recruitment processes, and some of our entering third year students are getting ready for the articling recruit. Yeah. So everyone's got careers on their mind. Did you, when you started law school yourself, were you one of those people? Like who was Valeska when she started law school? Valeska was someone who had no idea what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) I think like a lot of people, I, I, part of why I chose law school was because it felt like, oh, so that's the decision I've made. I've made the decision. Um, I didn't really appreciate that I was going to have to do a lot more self-reflection and exploration about what specifically I wanted to do with my degree. So I was pretty naive going in. I think that's fairly common. I mean, I do think think there are people, maybe as a percentage, there certainly, there are people who know exactly what type of thing they want to do. And Mike and I have talked about that on previous episodes. Um, but then there are people who are not sure when they go in and how, and in some ways, unless you have a lawyer in your family or someone that you've really watched, not on TV, but in real life, mm-hmm. um, you don't really know what you're getting into. So that I, I think that's useful just to hear, right? Mm-hmm. That people mm-hmm. who are now very successful started without, without knowing. Right. And, and as you were saying um, earlier, I think part of what compounds the stress that students feel is they think that everyone else has it figured out. Mm-hmm. And if that were the case, I would not have a job. <laughs> I guess that's right. true. <laughs> so right. I, I really, one of the things I really try to do is reassure students that it's okay if they don't know exactly what their plan is. Well, can I just say that um, one of the reasons I was interested in in bringing you on is that I do think that there's been a real evolution in the career development office function at the law schools, at least here um, in Toronto, um, in that when I went through, it was very just career focused. There was certainly the people in the jobs were great, but they were lawyers who were now doing this job and they did not have a master's in counseling psychology and they did not approach the sort of underlying issues, um, like putting you in the right career in the first place was not even discussed. It was just assumed that what you were going to do was you were going to get a job and that was great. And that was it. And if you didn't Mm -hmm. think it was great, that was some sort of personal failing. So I think the very fact that, you know, U of T is taking this into account and at this early stage by having you with your perspective is just so great. It's a, already the students are starting, I think, in a better position based on that. I hope so. And I think, I think it's also a reflection of how, what people want from careers now, which I think has, has really shifted uh, hmm. with the generations. Like it used to be, you know, you get your job and you do it for 35 years and then you're right. done. And it's just so such a different landscape now. People want work-life balance. They want different things from their jobs. And so it does require more of that reflection. On that note, I'm curious on what your perspective is. Like when people entering law school, I feel like so often, many people think it's just like an ends to a means and it's like everything is about getting that job, 
right? And not mm-hmm. necessarily developing skills that will be, you know, useful professionally and personally for many years to come and, and kind of allowing the job to come to you instead of that being the sole focus. What, right. what would you say to people feeling that pressure, you know, that everybody else is just really targeted in on, you know, the recruiting process or, you know, uh, a big firm job and uh, when really they, they might not know what they're targeting? Right. So one thing I I think that's really important to remember is that people can express certainty and be wrong. So people can feel really confident that what they're doing is the right thing. But if they haven't engaged in self-reflection, if they haven't explored the true breadth of their options, they may not be making the best decisions for them. And so they can you know, stride with confidence into a career that isn't well suited to them at all. And I think there will come a point where they will have to do that self-reflection. Like that point will come, if not now, then later. And that's part of what I'm seeing in my private practice is people taking stock of the choices that they've made. And now that they have more information about themselves, realizing and being honest about what they're looking for and and what that might mean for their for their career. So the students who who come in and are willing to admit that they don't have all the answers and are willing to seek help um, in in defining what they want and and are willing to explore, those are the students who are going to make the most educated decisions they can at the time they leave law school. The ones who might leave law school and be in the job that or the the career path that is the one, I guess. Right. right. Or even acknowledging that there is no one career path. So mm. for, for myself, for example, and I, I refer to my own story when I think it's appropriate, like I don't think I made poor decisions. I think that, you know, my corporate law career made a lot of sense when I was doing it based on the values that were most important to me at that time. Mm. As my values shifted, I wanted different things for my career. But, you know, in my job now, looking back, everything I did made sense. Wow. That's great to hear. I mean, and actually, we've talked about that on the podcast where we say, you know, we're not advocating here that people do what we do or that Mike's path is the right path or my path is the right path. We're just saying mm-hmm. whatever the decisions that we make in law school. I think you can only make the best decision that you can make at the moment. And so part of what I want to definitely ask you about is like, how do, how do students, what's the single best piece of advice, I guess, let's start there, that you can give to law students to to do that and to put themselves in that mindset early? There are no steps that are wrong steps if they give you more information about you and what you're looking for. So exploration is really key. Exploration with self-reflection. So it doesn't matter what extracurriculars you pick in first year, for example. It's do something that will help you get to know yourself better. And that will help you then make slightly more informed decisions for the next extracurricular you pick. And so on and so on. It's, It's about taking steps and reflecting. A lot of students, I think, are really afraid to make a misstep. And they so they kind of put the cart before the horse. I need to have it all figured out before I can make a move. 
but I really feel that you need to make a move before you can figure it out. You already have given us like, I think three or four brilliant sound bites that <laughs> things I'll just remember. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. Um, on this, on this topic of self-reflection. Okay. So I remember being in law school, especially first year, so much is occurring and so much of my time is accounted for uh, with, you know, studying and case summaries and class and whatever extracurricular you enroll in. You also have a personal life on top of that. And uh, who knows how that's going. So um, how, <laughs> you know, how, how do you instill in the folks that come talk to you about setting aside that time for self-reflection? And then what do you encourage them to do? What is self-reflection in your view when you sit down and you take that time? I think the starting point is what would a successful year look like? So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be questions about what do I want to do for the next 50 years? Because that's a really tough question to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Breaking it down into, into more manageable chunks and saying like, at the end of this year, what do I want to be able to say about what I've done? Do I want to be able to say that I was really engaged in the law school community? Do I want to be able to say that I you know, really gave it my all academically? Um, do I want to be able to say that I built my, my social network within the law school? And then think about what are some of the activities that might get you there? So kind of reverse engineer it so that you can create those experiences. I think when it comes to self-reflection, students need to be really honest with themselves about what they want and about what they're willing to do to get there. So it's not about taking on 10 extracurriculars in areas that you're not super passionate about. It's realizing you don't necessarily have the capacity to take on 10, and it's okay to pick one or two. And maybe think about which one or two are going to satisfy your values as you experience them now. Think about what skills you really feel you'd like to focus on. Like if you haven't had lots of experiences with public speaking, maybe think about trying out for a moot. So think about the different ways, um, both academically and, and in terms of extracurriculars and social activities that will get you there. Do you know what I love so much about that advice is that it, it says, it acknowledges like the achievement of getting to law school. And like you, I think it's relevant for, for people starting law school to know, you know, you belong here, you made it right. This is an achievement in itself just to be here. And now you don't have to move the goalpost and say, well, am I the best here in day one? I remember thinking that in, in the first week of school, um, I remember looking around and thinking like, well, you know, where am I going to fit in this crew? (laughs) You know, Um, and I remember being around conversations with people you don't yet know and hearing people talking about things and and thinking like, should I know that? Um, Is that going to be key? Do I need to be like that? And I think the concept of self is just to say at the beginning anchor, like what you're suggesting is really creating an anchor for yourself that you can go back to and say like when the winds blow and when I hear people saying you should do this and you must do this one of my favorite memories of what I must do and I'm going to put it on this podcast and say someone told me I must take trusts 
in law school in second year. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> I just want to put it Wait, out there. I took trust in second year. Sure. Yeah, and so some I. people might want to take that class. I That was a career and life low point for me. I just, I just sat in that class every day thinking, I have no interest in this class. I took it because someone told me that this was a key class. Like maybe it was for their practice area. It real. I have never used that class or any thought from it. Anyway, so that's just an example of your. You hear so much, and if you've never done the process of self reflection, you're just caught up in the the achieving and the doing and the you know the next thing. It it's just so challenging to end up doing something that you enjoy and be in a Absolutely. good state. Yeah, I, I think the anchor metaphor is a really good one because. I think based on my own experience and what I hear from students is that when you don't have an internal anchor or compass, you look to the external world for cues as to what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And so students become wrapped up in prestige and, you know, high pay and only students who have distinction standing get this type of opportunity. And it makes sense because if you don't know what you want, you go for what you know others want. Mm. Yes. And, and I think that's just a really, I, I think that's just human nature. And so if you can really be clear with yourself about what you want, it can help you drown out those external messages to the extent that those don't align with what you want. There's nothing wrong with wanting those things, but if they're not the things that, that will truly make you happy, that's a problem. I think you just hit four, or no, sorry, number five or number six on the quote meter. Again. <laughs> yes. so, holy smokes. Killing it. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> if you don't know what you want, you'll want what others want. Or I'm, I'm not even yeah, doing justice yeah. to your quote, but that's fantastic. So it seems that, at least from my law school experience, um, for folks who, you know, start to think about careers as they get it, you know, potentially after first year, which um, at least from my experience, very few people landed a job after first year. But obviously in second year and third year, you want to make sure you're working um, if you can be. There's, an, there's a well-trod path. There's a clear way to, to get a job and there's formal processes. And I'm sure this exists in many places, but here in Ontario, there's a, you know, formalized processes to get uh, a job at, um, you know, a firm that enrolls in that process. And then there's folks who, you know, want to work in a place that uh, doesn't necessarily uh, participate in that process. What would you say to both camps of folks um, that start to look at getting a job and going through either the established clear path or the one that's a bit more uncertain? That's a really good question. Um, because you're right, um, especially in uh, second year, there are very formal and law society regulated uh, recruitment activities that happen. Um, and for students who want something that that is not available there, they have to be willing to wait until later uh, when those other types of opportunities come out. And that can be really tough. You know, you want the bird in the hand more often than not. So students who have more of a social justice or public interest focus kind of have to wait in order to explore their opportunities. But as you've just laid it out, I mean, I think that if even just knowing how many opportunities there are, 
is just from day one is helpful. We really do try to make students aware of opportunities beyond the the full service business environment. Uh, But it's really easy for students to get wrapped up in the corporate stuff because these are these are employers who have full-time staff members devoted to recruitment mm-hmm. um, and the public interest employers and the government offices simply don't have those resources so students have to work a little bit harder to get that information and you know from what I've heard from students they feel discouraged even just knowing that a government, department or public interest employer might only be taking two to five summer students Mm -hmm. when the full service firms are taking 15 to 25. They just assume their chances are better. Yeah, it's fascinating uh, that theory and when, you know, that feeling when I was in law school, I um, benefited from jobs uh, that were public interest focused, government and uh, big firm. And um, what I quickly learned is that it's actually Maybe there's only one job at that public interest place, but the pool of candidates is normally a lot uh, more shallow as well. Right? So absolutely, yeah. So it's like don't get discouraged if you're interested in in an organization uh, or or type of work, go and get it. You know, it's not going to come to you like the big firm stuff will, but um, it's there. And I've seen, uh, you know, I I found work myself that way, and I have friends that um, found work that way and, and still practice in those areas, and so. Uh, You might have to be a bit more active and entrepreneurial, but um, that's kind of what happens when you're in those spaces, especially the, the, um, you know, the social justice type spaces is, you know, the self starter attitude is important because you probably won't have a clerk and you probably won't have assistants and all that sort of stuff. You have to do it yourself. Um, Exactly. Curious, you know, you were, as you've mentioned, you're helping folks, high performing folks who are already along in their career, maybe make a pivot. And you also see students, you know, at the very beginning, maybe you can pass along knowledge from that full perspective um, to students and, and students just entering law school. What would you say to them to make sure or to best position themselves to get into a career that they um, are best suited for and will be fulfilled by? So I think the the first piece of advice I would give is that you're not trapped no matter what decisions you make at this stage in your career, you are not stuck. Students, I find, become paralyzed in terms of their ability to make decisions because they, they really believe that this is going to reverberate to their retirement. And I, I, it's, it's a really big amount of pressure to put on yourself if that's how you're approaching it. You know, the fact that I'm seeing people who are making changes when they, you know, the value or the the enjoyment of the work has kind of run out for them in their current roles, the fact that they are able to pivot should really be a comfort to students. That, you know, you're going to be among the best educated people in the country when you finish law school. The work that you do will almost certainly pay the bills regardless of where you are and you will have choices down the road. Anything you do now will help you make good decisions later. So that's the first thing I would say. And I think the second thing I would say is 
you simply don't have enough information about yourself to know what's the best thing for you for the next 30, 40 years. Mm. You will change. Your life roles will change. You know, right now, students are just are saying to me, I just want a job. But as soon as they get a job and they're coming from that position of strength, then they start to fine tune it. I want this type of job. I don't want this type of job. So as soon as you're in a position where your immediate financial needs are met, you can start looking beyond that to, to some of the finer points about what matters to you. And when, you know, if you decide you want to start a family or you want, you know, time to be more engaged in your community, then you're going to want to start thinking about different facets of your, of your job that will make those things possible for you. Both of those points, if you take those to heart, and I think that those are great pieces of advice to hear early in a law career. Um, And if you take them to heart and you do things and you give yourself permission to explore and be curious and see what you like, but also the flip side is, I think what you're doing is so important because you're giving people the permission to just be really honest about why we're doing things, right? It's like, I'm getting, Mm -hmm. I'm going to the big firm because, you know, like if I go back to my logic, the thinking was, I have this student debt, I'm going to get the student debt paid. I'm going to see if I like this because, you know, it seems like a big firm, if you enjoy the work and if you enjoy the the model and the structure and the hours, um, certainly it's a very well, if not the best compensated place to do law. Um, and at the time when you're coming out of undergrad um, and with debt and having been a student for so long, money does have a big role. And I think that's okay to think about and just be aware of as long as you don't then flip the self-talk and and in year two start saying this is who I am and if I don't make it work I'm a failure <laughs> right exactly mm-hmm. exactly so students who for example decide that they want to uh, go to New York where the salaries are crazy I, I think starting salary is now 180 wow okay like it, it's it's really hard <laughs> to say no to that mm. if if those offers are made. I think a student who goes there knowing that it's a means to paying off their debt so that they then have the freedom to do what they really want, that changes everything in my view, because you're absolutely right that people who make choices without really thinking about why, will kind of reverse engineer it and try to tell themselves that this is what they've always wanted to do. Mm. And then they don't understand why they're feeling unfulfilled. Right. And that's where it seems to me, um, you know, again, Mike and I try not to say any one path is more desirable, but I I do have friends who are happy in a big firm environment. And I have uh, personally struggled and have friends who have struggled. And often it's because of that. It's just that that wasn't what they really wanted to do in the first place. The ones who are still at firms, um, traditional big firms, tend to have gone right away into a subject area that they really knew they would like and were sort of those people who had that that drive early. Right. So I think there are lots of reasons why you could end up happy at in any one mm-hmm. work environment. Um, but this, it seems to me there's some continuity between going into an environment because you should, and then sort of beating yourself up when it isn't the right one for you. You know, that's, that's different. 
Um, okay, well, this is all very, very helpful. I think um, we've gotten some great advice. You know what? I am not the summarizer, Waleska. Mike is the summarizer. <laughs> she <laughs> always puts this burden on my shoulders. I want that's a tough one. <laughs> Every time I like, I think I'm gonna do it, and then I'm like, no, 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 no. This is Mike's thing. Uh, I will let I will back away. Back away. I think that again, what we're always trying to do is encourage people to do what uh, is best for them. Uh, and all you can do, as Waleska said in law school, is understand what your desires talents, priorities are as you are currently in law school now. So self-reflect on that as Waleska has wonderfully said, ask yourself questions. What is success this year? And, and start to find ways to get there. Don't put too much pressure on yourself and continue to be a person because it's easy <laughs> to get lost uh, <laughs> and lose yourself, um, especially in the first year or maybe two uh, in law school. So you belong there. You earned your way, as Darlene said. Remember that you're the same person that got into law school for that reason and trust yourself uh, and uh, have some fun when it makes itself available. Uh, so I would say those would be the tips. Um, we are going to go to a break right now and we'll come back with our goods and gripes. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with our goods and grapes. Goods are things we want to promote and support, and grapes are things that annoy us. Um, Waleska, do you have a good? I do have a good. I was thinking about grapes as well, but I thought I would like to end on a positive note. All right. Um, so my good for today is I uh, spent Canada Day long weekend in Prince Edward County and had a wonderful time, and I... I, if you haven't been to Sandbanks Provincial Park, oh, yeah. I really encourage you to go. Mm. It's a beautiful beach. Uh, it's really easy to get to. Uh, there's a restaurant there, but it's it's pretty low key. It's a fabulous place to go. I agree. How far is it from Toronto? So it's about, I would say, a two-hour drive. Oh. Okay. And you've got three-lane highway for a good chunk of that. So the drive is really doable. Awesome. Yeah, it's a sp and the beach there is amazing. Great beach, yeah. huh. good campsites. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I, I spent many great times there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Thank is you. a good. Darlene? <laughs> well, listening to Waleska talk, I thought I, I had a good in mind. I'm going to change it, and I'm going to talk about something I've spoken of earlier on previous episodes. But for law students, a good before you go if you want to see an amazing, inspiring speech that will help you um, anchor, as we talked about, Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement speech. That's all I'm saying. Have you seen it, Waleska? Some of the stuff? I haven't. What? I haven't. I'll have to check that I out. I feel you've, uh, you've downloaded the gist of it, um, whether you've seen it or not. I think you'll really relate. Oh, okay. It talks about, I mean, Steve Jobs obviously founded Apple, uh, co-founded, mm -hmm. um, did a lot of really great things, but he's speaking to the Stanford commencement class and he's saying effectively, you know, don't waste your life living someone else's dreams. Like don't do stuff just because 
someone else thinks you should and you know find something you love to do that's how you're going to be great it's it's just really re- sort of takes what we've talked about here and says it so much uh in like a quick couple i think it's like 20 minutes to watch so it's not a big lift of time but it, it was transformational for me when i saw it and uh i hope that it will be helpful to others so mike you've seen it yes awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've only talked about it 700 times since I've met Mike. <laughs> Actually, the first time Darlene and I met, she held my eyes open and put me in front of a screen and Clockwork made me watch it. Style. Exactly. It should, it should be required watching for a new interalia. Uh, you're right. I did not do that, but I, I may. <laughs> but you know what that reminds me of is, um, so when I was leaving my uh, full-service law firm in Toronto to go to grad school full-time, a corner office partner who I'd been working with uh, for years came to me and um, said that he really admired what I was doing because he had a psychology undergrad and always wished he could he could pursue that full time. And I just felt so sad for him. Mm. You know, he has all of these trappings of success, yeah, um, but really feeling trapped by them. Mm. You know, it's the classic golden handcuffs. Yeah, that's one thing we should say about that you're never trapped. I mean, there are decisions you can make after law school that make it harder to not feel trapped. Um, You know, like having a very high flying lifestyle can make you feel trapped in a job that requires more money, etc. And I I definitely heard similar feedback when I left the firm. So I don't think that's an isolated Mm -hmm. experience. You know, I think it's more common. I had to sell my loft. I sold my home and and that was what allowed me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mike? I have a I have a good. Yeah. And I, this actually I, is very consistent with our conversation. There's a great article in the Guardian that's actually an ex- excerpt of the book. It's called How Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. It's by David Epstein. Uh, and it, effectively what he talks about and focuses on is on a term I hadn't heard before is late specialization. So um, typically, and with the 10,000 hours thing or whatever, people think that they have to find one thing and dive right into it. And that's the only way you'll be a good specialist in whatever career you're in. But what he has found and what he's advocating for is actually you starting extremely broad and uses athletes, an example, like Roger Federer played every sport and then eventually um, chose tennis and, and dialed into that but tra- still has skills from the other sports that make him the elite athlete he is. Mm. Um, and, and effectively, in the professional sense, what he talks about is generalists, um, while they might you know, not, spe- not have that unique expertise right away, they'll find the thing they actually like, specialize in it then, but have the benefit of all that periphery knowledge that a early specializer wouldn't. And what that does is it it helps not silo your knowledge. It helps you find more creative solutions. Um, it helps not develop what he calls a system of parallel trenches in an organization. Um, and so actually, uh, I think it might be comforting to law students to know that if you don't know what you want to do now, not only is that fine, but it might mean in the long run uh, it might be an advantage. Hmm. Um, so I thought that was a really good perspective because it's it's not one we hear often. And we'll put that article in our show notes. I think that's so interesting. Great. That's a great article. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, this was lovely. Waleska, we so appreciate your time and uh, the invaluable quotes that inevitably will be on our Instagram at at some point. Um, And uh, yeah, so we're just really grateful. And I hope that, uh, you know, you have a, a great school year that's about to kick off. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Cool. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.